hey, he's diminutive and weak because he's only like 5'11", 180. But he's also not a Hall of Famer. Because he's not a great player. Straight out of the gate, this team is going to suck donkey balls. Saggy, <laughs> saggy donkey balls. This will be good. I can fill in for you on weeks where you just couldn't be bothered. That's exactly what we're talking about here. It's game time. So to me, that would be a good way to open it up. Yes. You know, so yeah, there's definite appeal there. Oh, no, we just lost our under 20 demographic. It was a fizzle. So where do young people go when they're not uh, catching passes at the Steelers, Tay? Someone like the Jets will probably throw a massive coin at him to try and send his career into a tailspin. Hot diggity dog. I'm an optimist. I, I like having lots of options. Because, I mean, we see this all the time. We see three for twos. We see two for ones. Honestly, mate, that'd be enough to make me play well. This is a game my wife and I play at home, and you're like, whoa! <laughs> this is the Astro League. It sounds so weird in, like, an Australian accent. The Astro League. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> the Astro League podcast. I think my sheriff's decision is I, I just wouldn't do it during the season. Well, g'day, g'day, and welcome to the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Maddie C. I am the host of the show and commissioner of the league. Uh I've just got to start off with a couple of quick things. We're going to cover quite a bit in this show today. It's only me here. Uh, I'm going to have Taylor back for the second part this week. But I just wanted to kick off by acknowledging a couple of milestones in the league. And then we'll get into some news and injuries, a couple of updates there and some stuff around some players and things that might affect some rosters before getting into results. And, of course, then standings and what the playoffs might look like if they started today. And then, as I've been doing in these monologue shows too, just pulling up one stat metric to try and help break down things from what we understand to have happened in the league or maybe what it might project forward. So, that's going to be the run of the show today. You can find us on Facebook and you can find us on Instagram. We are at Astro League Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Astro League Pod. And I've been encouraging people to do this. And, and goodness me, it has turned up in droves. We've got an email address up there, astroleaguepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, thank goodness for Taylor, because he's going to help me get through a couple of listener questions on the late week show. The results are in. The people have spoken. That's what it comes down to. We're not the no fun league. But you need time to negotiate that. That's what my wife says very quickly. Uh, Let's jump in and do this thing. Now, this is a little plan to fame for our show. We just wanted to, to highlight this because it's, it's gratitude is the right attitude for me. And we, thank you to you guys, are number one. And we're not number one in terms of podcast rankings in Australia. We're not number one even in fantasy sports. We're somewhere in the 70s on a good week. But what we are is the number one supported Australian content American f- fantasy football show. And, and I think that's kind of an interesting blend of things to be and to know that we're getting supported so well from all over the place. We've got listenership here in Australia with guys who are in the league. We've got listenership in the US, in the UK, in Canada. It's all over the place. We've had listens from far-flung places here and there as well, but this the stable base of our listenership is mostly from Australia and the US. And thank you very, very much for tuning in and, and for keeping the show going. I know Taylor, very, very pleased when I was able to share that with him. There's a couple of milestones around the league this week too in terms of People hitting significant win numbers. And I think one of these ones is an interesting one because it's for one of our newest owners. It's Adam, who came in the same time as Seahorse. He has gone ahead and put up his 30th win on the weekend. So, a big congratulations to Adam. We'll get to your result in a little bit. Uh, We also got Jerry, who joins a pretty exclusive club of teams who've got 80 regular season wins. Fantastic stuff, Jerry. Well done, mate. And then, infamously, Taylor goes out and puts up an interesting score this week, gets his 50th all-time regular season win. Uh, 
But you know what? I didn't notice this is that uh, he's actually also got 50 all-time losses, which includes playoffs. So, it's kind of interesting that he's now got 50 in one category and 50 in the other. And there are a ton of injuries to update in the league this week. I wanted to start with this one because he'd only just got back from week one. He was suspended. Week two, he missed a game because of a personal issue that, you know, there was no elaboration on what that is. Fair enough. Week three, he plays and kind of has a ho-hum sort of game. And then week four hurts his finger. He's broken his finger and is going to be week to week. We're talking about Dolphins' new wide receiver, Will Fuller. Goodness knows what that's going to mean for him. We only had a listener question from Slurma Slurpee about Will Fuller and Juju Smith-Schuster. And somehow, Will Fuller with a broken finger is only just mildly worse than rostering Juju Smith-Schuster. Isn't that horrible? Uh, a big quarterback injury, too, was that Jimmy Garoppolo, who was taken out of the game against the Seahawks, who hurt his calf. Now, he was pulled from the game, and Kyle Shanahan very quick to come out at the start of the week to say, look, we're not ruling him out yet. He's going to have more work done on that calf, and we think that he could be ready to go for this weekend. So, keep a little eye on that, because if you've got Trey Lance stocks or you're hoping Trey Lance might be a go straight away, you might need to just, uh, you know, Hit the pause button on that one for a moment uh, and just keep your eye out for what happens with Jimmy G. Our mate, the dickhole, this is Logan Thomas, the tight end for the Washington football team. He's week to week with a hamstring injury. He had to leave the game and was done for the day. Then I've got a swathe of running back news here. like Joe Mixon, he's got a dodgy ankle. Week to week is how they're labeling him. So goodness knows what that means for this week. We saw David Montgomery limp off the field with some sort of suspected ligament damage. We haven't heard whether it's MCL, ACL, what, what's going on in there? So, watch this space because it's a bit early in the week and we just don't have enough news on that one yet. The Dalvin Cook came off the field, limped off. It was a drive that just kind of ended uh, everything that the Vikings had going on there. And then, uh, you know, we, we didn't see him again. I haven't seen any news about him from the reputable sources that I would usually go to. So, keep your eye on that one. There is a good chance he just, it was a losing game. He had a tweak. They just kept him off the field. And then and there wasn't really any running game after that anyway. So, it might have been a preservation method. But we'll, we'll see what happens there with Dalvin Cook. And then oh, only the number one player in fantasy, Christian McCaffrey. He actually made the trip to Dallas even though he didn't play. So, he could be back any day. And that will be mel- welcome news for Marky Mark in our league. This one, not injury-related. Josh Gordon, who was signed by the Kansas City Chiefs last week after he was given the all-go to come back by the NFL and he was reinstated to the league, he is likely to be activated for the Bills game this weekend. So, I saw someone went and scooped him up. Um, if this is uh, a player who you've got in a different league as well, then, uh, you know, just keep your eye on it. I don't know whether you're starting him, even in the league as deep as we've got 16 teams with a half PPR. I don't know if you're starting Josh Gordon without having seen anything from him, but... Uh, just keep an eye on it. He may be on the field and it will be worth tracking how he performs. That's a tick in the win column. For- Number one. You lose, you suck. Oh, well, the results are in and it was a heck of a week because, well, we saw the table get really stretched out. First things first, we've eliminated any winless teams. Everyone's got at least one win one month into the season. Turns out it's about half the league who's got one win and there's very little to choose from between sort of 10th place all the way down to last. And then it's still kind of congested near the top two. Taylor's cleared away at the top with uh, nobody else level with him for wins. But, gee, there's not much wiggle room underneath it. Let's get into the results because the first division uh, we saw cross-pollinate here was north versus south. And it was a TC and the Squazmongers. They came into the week 
two and one going up against Jolio Snag Dogs, who are one and two. And thanks to 23 from Montgomery before he got hurt, 14 from Amari Cooper. We saw TC actually put up a neat little score here. He goes up and puts up. Oh, no, it's not a neat little score. It's only 82 points. He really struggled. He only got six out of Baker and, and really no one else fired. He got a combined eight points out of his two wide receivers that weren't named Amari Cooper. On the other side, Jolly O, not that much more impressive. He goes and puts up 86 points with thanks to 33 from Golladay and Najee Harris, a big 25 from Aaron Rodgers, and absolutely nothing from anybody else. He got zero from his tight end, zero from his kicker, five from his defense. That's an average of 1.6 points each between those three positions. Just god-awful. But 86 to 82, he gets the win. Moves to 2-2, two and two, drops TC to 2-2. Two and two. That'll make the divisional standings interesting. Jiggity Jagged Edge, this is Pete's team. He goes by JJE as well, just makes it nice and simple and efficient. He jumps out to 3-1 and one this week with a win over Tim Tim and the Crusaders, who'd started hot. They were 2-0, and oh, and in the last two weeks, poor Tim Tim, he's had to meet Taylor, who's got a team who's capable of 150 anyway, and then Pete goes and puts up 160 on him. So there's nothing Tim's doing wrong. He averages, uh, you know, a, a bit over 100 points per week. He's actually looking quite strong. He goes and throws up at 106 this week as well, which is nothing to sneeze at. He gets a 40 spot from Patrick Mahomes. He gets 15 points from Trey Emmons and also from Justin Tucker, who's just been kind of an all-star at kicker, as you might expect. Uh, nowhere near enough to chase down Pete, who, even though he managed uh, just three-tenths of a point from Miles Gaskin, whatever the hell happened there, he just gets steady contributions everywhere. I mean, ignore the 43 from Tyree Kill and the 32 from Debo Samuel. If you want to, because he still goes and gets 13 from Rodrigo Blankenship, 9 from the Buccaneers defense, because they had that intercept, that fumble, and all those sacks. 19 from James Conner, who has an- another two rushing touchdown day. Matt Stafford puts up 23, gets 12 from Robert Woods, who we knew couldn't be quiet forever. Just everybody contributes. Even Kyle Pitts gets 50 yards of receiving. So just a fantastic day for Pete. Puts up a franchise record score of 160. Point eight zero leaps him up to three and one drops Tim Tim to two and two. Now playmaker, this is Ken. He's got a sweet set of new headphones, but things aren't going so well for him in fantasy land. He comes up against Taylor, who we all knew was going to be a tough out. Uh, I'd projected that Paul Kenny was going to put up a good show, but just not have nearly enough guns to go up against Taylor. And I mean, it took all weekend, but Taylor finally chased down. Pete's 160 and puts up 161. Uh, so, a little unfair on Pete, but excellent, excellent stuff for Taylor's team. We'll get to his score in a moment. But Jalen Hurts goes out and puts up 30 points, which is nice for Kenny. And he also gets 14 from the – just rep- back in the starting line of Darrell Henderson. He's uh, had that week off and he comes straight back in, gets a whole bunch of work, 89 rushing yards, looking nice and solid. 17 points from Hollywood Brown as well, including that wonderful long touchdown where he really laid out to catch it. Uh, but just not enough around the board as he finishes with only 92 points. And it wouldn't have mattered with Taylor putting up 161.5 and he gets contributions everywhere. Kyler Murray had a disappointing day of only 23 points against the Rams, which you might expect with Derrick Henry, 26, Austin Eckler, 29, DJ Moore, 29, 14 from DK Metcalf and another 14 from Antonio Gibson, 12 from Butkar, 9 from the Bears defense. Ah, some chump named Travis Kelsey let him down with only four points. I mean, had Kelsey had anything resembling a normal day for him, or maybe even if Kyler had just thrown one touchdown, all of a sudden, the all-time single-game high score 
record was going to be, uh, you know, th- th- that was going to come into question whether that was going to get chased down. The other thing to know here is that Taylor's got Trey Lance on the bench. So, if there is a change and you see Kyler start to struggle a little bit or come up against some of the tougher defenses, there is a good chance that if Trey Lance gets a start and keeps the job, he's got himself either some trade bait or someone who might even outscore Kyler for goodness sake. The last game of the round in terms of North versus South is the Gispots versus the Gnomes. Both these guys off to tough starts, Gispots 1 and 2, Gnomes 0 oh and 3 going into the week. And while he gets 41 points out of Ezekiel Elliott and Jonathan Taylor on their first week together and a sneaky good 16 from Devonta Smith, Justin's Gispots sadly can't put up enough points. Again, 113, which is great. That's an above average week in a league where we're scoring 108 this year. But Jerry's Gnomes from absolutely nowhere go up and put up 136. He hadn't had a single week near average in the league scoring so far, and bang, 35 from Dak, a strange 32 from Cordero Patterson, who was only on the field for 25% of the snaps, even 19 points from back in the lineup and feeling healthy, Deontay Johnson, and he suffered a zero from Tyson Williams, who was a late inactive in that Baltimore game in the second window, so he didn't really have a chance to pivot and put anyone in for Tyson Williams. But it didn't matter. He runs away with a 25-point win. Good to see Jerry on the board. And we're going to jump over to the East versus the West. Oh, this is Katie from Bad Counsel. With some good counsel, keep listening to the Astro League podcast. Hold me down. Hang on. Before you go any further, for a sec there, I was going to ask to see your hands because we're on a Zoom call here and that was sounding like you were pleasuring yourself. And I'm like, I was about to ask you to start wearing oven mitts. So yeah, that I was me yeah. thinking about Calvin Ridley earlier. So let's start. The top of the East was Jackal. He goes into the week 3-0 and against Marky Mark and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he is 0-3 going into the week. And look, this is what I like about this league. is just when you think a team is down and, and having a tough season, they come back and surprise you. Jackal, who had put up a couple of really good weeks in a row. He's been averaging around 120 points. His team completely falls on its face this week and he gets really nothing from anybody except for a 15 from Jamison Crowder. He only got 10 from Kirk Cousins and the whole team stumbles its way like a drunken idiot to 61 points. Mark, again, this is just only the fourth week in a row with a score between 105, 120. He's got to be about, in terms of consistency, Probably the unluckiest team in the league to be one and three when he's scoring so well. We'll get into some expected wins in a little bit, but 31 and a half points from my boy Sam Darnold. I love that guy. He only got a 12, only a 12 from Nick Chubb, but gee, the 28 from Terry McLaurin really made a big difference. 14 from the guy we used to call Goosicky. I think we're going to have to take Goosicky away. I'm going to talk to Taylor about that one for you, Marky Mark. But, you know, strangely, Matt Gay has been a very handy contributor as a kicker. And he goes and puts up 10 points. This kicker scoring, I tell you, it's made a real difference. Now, Adam and the Queensland football team have got to be about the most confusing team I've seen in the league for some time. He comes into the week two and one going up against the team of destiny on course for the undefeated season, Ryan and the Cornhuskers. And he gets Cornhuskers only putting up an 88 this week. So, you know, most people can overstep an 88. Uh, I mean, 88's a, a pretty poor score. It's 20 points below the average in the league this year. And with thanks to Tom Brady playing like a dried-up biscuit on Sunday night and only getting five out of Dalvin Cook before he limped off, the players who did the heavy lifting for Ryan were only James Robinson at the Jags and Matt Prater, the kicker for the Arizona Cardinals. They're the only players who did terribly anything. Mark Andrews had a few receptions as well for some points, but it was a disappointing day all around. And then you flip it over to the other side where Adam, who is still yet to put up a score that eclipses the league average, 
gets his third win of the season with 13 points from Tannehill at the Jets. Remember the thrill of playing the Jets from Taylor's breakdown last week. Well, nothing thrilling about 13 points from your quarterback. Kareem Hunt goes out and gets 15.6. Saquon Barkley looked like Saquon again. He did get a fifth quarter to put up that 27 points, but all of a sudden that's looking like a great investment. Antonio Brown had a surprisingly odd day. He ends up with 63 yards and, and almost 10 points, but man, he could have had a much bigger day. It was really uncharacteristic of him to be so off. Stefan Diggs finally looks like he's back with 16 points as well. So there were some nice contributors for Adam, but he is still yet to put up a week where he even gets to the league average score. And then here he's three and one. I think his team uh, will get found out very, very quickly from here. Brendock's Birdman and my side, the Carabao Kings, um, I've got this thing with Brendan where I see him as like the most spited rival. Like I, I cannot stand losing to Brendan because back in 2013 and 2014, I faced him in semifinals year on year and got absolutely dusted in both of them. So every time I see him on the schedule, it's like a revenge game for me. And most of the time, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I mean, 2017 grand final aside, I just feel like Brendan dusts me every time he sees me. And this time, he disposes of me by just a casual 34 points. Nothing to see here. My side struggling to find its stride. 26 from Joe Burrow, 15 from Leonard Fournette, and a strange 18 from Dawson Knox. And then just nothing, 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 where you see Josh Allen puts up 23. So he loses the quarterback battle, but it doesn't matter because like 13 points from Kamara is like a, what the hell is that kind of day? But 13 points from any running back is a nice day. It's just when you see it's Alvin Kamara and you're putting up 13, you kind of wonder what's going on. He had the balls to start Trey Sermon, who then went up and put up 89 rushing yards with the very late use that Elijah Mitchell was going to be a scratch. Tyler Lockett only gets four points after he comes into the week as wide receiver three on the season. But no worries, Justin Jefferson's got this. He gets 17 points. Dallas Goddard has 14. And Hunter Henry gets a touchdown in that strange Buccaneers-Patriots game. That would have been enough to win it, but he gets 44 points between Tyler Bass and the Bills defense. So he's got the kicker and the defense on the same team, that 40 to nil win, and the quarterback. So he just gets all these points and he gets all the defense and he gets the uh, intercepts and he gets the fumbles and he gets the, the three sacks. I tell you, every time that Davis Mills throws an intercept or drops a fumble, his neck grows. It's like Pinocchio. Unbelievable. He wins this one 136 to 102. Nice job, Brendo. And he goes to 3-1. and one. That's going to look really interesting in the overall. Last one of the round was Olakan Space Pirates, which is Seahorse's team coming to the week one and two with that surprising week one win, but have been on a schneid of two games since. And the winless champion, $10 booker, Scuba Steve, coming to the week looking to erase the 0-3 star. And, and you know, he's he's pretty fortunate because he goes and puts up a nice, comfortable 110 around about a league average score, but he faces just an awful, awful day for the Space Pirates who only put up 74 points. Russell Wilson scores a third of Seahorse's points. Um, the Rams defense puts up a negative two. Darren Waller finds a way to jack up 13. Otherwise, it would have been even worse. Uh, that Monday night game really did help him out. But when you're starting Jacoby Myers and Deshaun Jackson as your uh, wide receivers, you might be up against it. Gets a surprising 17 out of Kenneth Gainwell for me, but he has been a quality little addition in a, in a, a team where the defense is kind of weird and they've played some pretty big offenses. So they've been kind of chasing games a little bit and Gainwell's done a nice job. He's even had a couple of uh, plays where he's done things like two-point conversions and he's kind of become their goal line back. So I think Seahorse might have kind of just found a little guy here who's quite useful. But the $10 Booker team have got 
Lamar Jackson at quarterback, and, and even though he loses the quarterback battle in what looks like it should have been a great quarterback battle, these two guys barely put up 40 between them, Russ and Lamar Jackson. But Miles Sanders, the other half of that weird Philadelphia running back uh, contingent, only puts up a six. Clyde Edwards, a leg, goes and puts up a 19, which is fantastic. Jamar Chase kind of comes back to earth, but has 70 yards. No touchdowns, even though uh, he'd found himself in the top five at wide receiver with all those touchdowns. Good to see Jared Cook doing something. Though. 16 points for him and 17 for Tyler Boyd. Really helped drag Scuba along. He breaks the duck. He gets on the board. And he does enough to lift himself from last on the table. It's cool to be a space pirate. Going to two of Carabao Kings. Queensland football team. $10 hooker never looks so good. I'm going to keep deleting everything I'll get wrong. Back to the drawing board for gnomes. That in itself was a hindrance. Bye-bye, loser. So what's this do to the standings? Well, we talked about this just before. The average score in week four was 108.5, which is great. It really does line up. The season average is 108.8. So that's pretty good. In the north, just having a look at the standings, this week means that uh, with their scores, they actually average a pretty tidy 111.4 on the season, which is just a little sneak ahead of what the league average is. Um, we see Jiggity Jagged Edge, this is Pete's team, jump up four spots in the overall standings, which we'll talk about in a minute, but they go to the top of the North Division. They're 3-1, and one, only team on 3-1, and one, 487 points, puts them right up there in terms of scoring, and he's leapfrogged TC. TC took the loss this week, drops to 2-2 two and two with 439 points. Playmaker... And Jizzbox, both one and three, and there's only about 12 points difference between them in scoring. Over in the south, no surprise, Taylor ahead four and oh, off to the perfect start. Got a two game break as well because both Canberra Crusaders and Struggle Town two and two won because the Snag Dogs got their win, but Canberra Crusaders have a second loss in a row. There is less than two points between those two in scoring as well, so that is a tight battle for second in that division. And poor old Jerry, he's 0-3 going into the week. He gets his win, uh, and he's only a handful of points behind those two guys in scoring too. So he's not out of touch, but he's still got quite a bit of work to do. And he's in a division where the best at the moment you can hope for is second. Over in the East, Jackal does suffer his first loss of the year. It does pull him down in the overall a little bit, but it doesn't change him in the East. He's still sitting on top, 3-1, 416 points, top scorer in the division. It's a division that's only scoring 95 points. No, sorry, 97 points per week. Thanks mainly to Taylor. The South is averaging 117. So it's, it's kind of absurd that there's these two divisions in the same league where the scoring is like 20 points separate from each other. It really is amazing how bad this East division is. But again, a team who's only averaging 90 points a week, the Queensland football team, a 3-1 and one in second place in that division. They are being outscored by everyone in that division. $10 bookers, 1-3. and three outscoring Adam by 30 points. My side down the bottom of the division, one and three, outscoring Adam by 30 points. And there's only a handful of points between Scuba and I, something like 3.5 points between us two. So it's tight down the bottom, but there's two game break between Adam and Jackal from both Scuba and I. And then over in the West, we've got Brendox Birdman, leapfrogging Cornhuskers who are off to that perfect start. The minute they trip, Brendox jumps ahead. He's actually got 50 points more in scoring than Ryan as well. So it's 508 points for Brendan, 457 points for Ryan. So it's not only the fact that they're both 3-1, and one, there is quite a gulf in scoring between those two. 
And then kind of the same as the East. The West has a two-game break to Myline Adolters and the Olakan Space Pirates, who are both three and one. But Marky Mark, 442 points in scoring is great. It would make him the highest scorer in the East, for goodness sake. And here he is, one and three. And then you've got the Queensland football team, who are being outscored by everybody in the league except for the Olakan Space Pirates, who are three and one when they're 15th in the league in scoring. Poor old Olakan Space Pirates, 341 points. They're only 19 more points behind Adam in scoring, for goodness sake, which tells you pretty well how badly Adam's team has been performing and, uh, and and the difference there is that Adam is at a playoff spot and all the kind of space pirates, Seahorse's team, dead last. Hey there, this is Bobby with the Rock Guys podcast and you are listening to the Astral League podcast. These Aussies know NFL fantasy football. Jesus, you've got to be up at 8 a.m. Because man, I beat the shit out of some of these. Next thing we're talking about cats in space, you know? I don't know, I think you're going to write a book about this in the future. Pack an extra pair of undies. <laughs> Maybe two pairs of undies, mate. This is going to be brutal. Wow. You know, he, he seems self-deprecating. I, I was always yes. a big Peyton fan. So what would the playoffs look like if they started today? No surprise, you've got Taylor, 4-0, 581 points, top of the universe. Brendo and the Birdman, 508 points, 3-1, they're in second place. So those two getting the buys. Third place would be Pete, Jiggity Jagged Edge. They are top of the North Division, 3-1, 487 points, only 30 points behind Brendan with the same record. And the fourth seed would be Jackal's Quarantine, who are good 80 points behind Pete, but also 3-1. So those guys are your division winners who don't get the bye weeks. Jackal at fourth would host Ryan's Cornhuskers fifth, who are 300 Sorry, who are 3-1, 457 points, being outscored by Ryan, but by virtue of being a division winner, would be the four seed, and the winner of that matchup would play Taylor. On the other side, Pete would host Adam, Queensland football team, 3-1, with only 360 points. Pete is outscoring Adam by 127 points. It would be pretty clear to me Pete would win that matchup going away, and he would be off to face Brendo in a semi-final. So that's the playoffs, and because the playoffs work a little bit differently from the overall standing, it's time to get into the overall, because the Vinegar Strokes, who would be one in any way you cut it, he's got 4-0, he's got 581 points of scoring, he's on top of his division, he is number one with a bullet. Brendox Birdman, clearly the best 3-1 team out there, 508 points, the only other team with 500, and then a whole bunch of... A whole bunch of really great look at three and one teams, actually. Pete's Tiggity Jagged Edge, 487 points. Ryan's Cornhuskers, 457 points. Only a 30-point gap between them. Uh, and they are third and fourth in the overall. Ryan doesn't lead a division, which is why Jackal is the fourth seed. But he would be fifth in the overall, three and one, 416 points. Adam is sixth in the overall by virtue of the three and one. But he has not got scoring. 360 points. He's being outscored by everybody except for 16th place, Ola Khan. Space Pirates. From there, you get Squazmongers at the top of the two and two seeds, 439 points. From Joel, who's got 435, and Tim Tim at the Crusaders, who've got 434. So that is tight. Five points between seventh and ninth. And then here we go. Check this out. All the one and three teams. There are seven of them. This is a tie for 10th, only broken by point scoring. Marky Mark, 442. He comes up from something like 13th last week to 10th. Well done. Kenny and the Playmaker side, 433 points. Jerry and the Gnomes, 428 points. Justin in the Jizz Pots, 421 points. And then here's your teams with less than 400. $10 Booker, 391. Carabao Kings, 387. And then a bit of a drop-off to Olakan Space Pirates in last, 
341. I'm following the yellow brick road to the north where the good witch lives. Just remembering things correctly though, for someone who says that she's got a good fucking moral compass, that bitch totally stole some dead bird's shoes at the start of the damn movie. So it just reminds you that even people who say they're good are actual motherfuckers too. Is that a Wizard of Oz reference? Now, I like bringing this metric up just every so often because I think it's a little bit interesting. Uh, it is expected wins, and I brought it up a couple of weeks ago once we got a second week of data in there, and I want to bring it up again because the way I've got this thing to work is that I've got a little formula where I plug in for every team score. If you average within two points of what the league average is in any week, I'm going to give you half a win. If you scored the league average, you can expect to win that half the time. And then for every couple of points you get away better than the average, I'm going to give you a tenth of a point for every t- every two points that you, you run away, I'm going to give you a tenth of a win. And for every two points behind it, I'm going to take a tenth of a win away until there's no tenths of wins in either direction. You've either got a full win or a zero expected win. And I'm going to compare that to how many weeks you've scored above average and also how many times you've won. And it should give us an expected win and a variance. So, what I'm looking at here is a good example of the first two weeks with Squazmongers. They had 147 in week one. Led the league, looks great. Going to give Guy a full expected win because he was more than 30 points clear of the league average. And over time, the season average has dropped week by week. So, in week two, he scored 110. It was slightly behind league average and only gave him 0.4 of a win. But over time, that average has dropped and now that score would be above average. And I'm going to give him 0.5, oh, sorry, 0.6 of a win because he was just that little fraction above uh, the two-point bracket ahead of the league average of 108.87. He scored 110.92, so 2.05 points above the league average. So I'm going to give him 0.6 of a win. Uh, Another good example here is, say, the Vinegar Strokes. They've got 121, 151, 147, 161. They're all scores of well over 10 points above the league average, so I'm going to give him a full expected win for each of them. Funnily enough, if you score like that, you should expect to have four wins. He does have four wins. He's got zero variance. Where the Squazmongers has got two wins. He's been above average twice. His expected wins 1.6. So his variance is only less than half a win. So this thing by rights, by the time the season plays out, should either show you who's been either very unlucky or potentially, if they've got a little bit of a lead or a little bit of a decline here, it should even out as the season goes. The biggest variances I've got on here are probably pretty obvious. Queensland football team have got scores of 93, 55, 106, and 105. Currently, I would say they could expect to have eight-tenths of a win. They've got three wins, so they're 2.2 ahead, and I think that has got zero chance of staying the way it is. Um, If he manages to stay quite lucky and keep this low scoring up and continue to win games, I'd be very, very surprised. He's kind of in the same boat I was in last year. On the flip side, though, the player who's got the least luck at the moment is Marky Mark and the My Line Adulters. He scored 103, 115, 105, and 116. I think he should have 2.4 expected wins. He's been above average twice and right near average twice. And uh, he's only got the one win, so I'm saying he's... He's 1.4 wins behind, and I think those are the two teams who've got the most likelihood to really switch their fortunes because we can see the pattern of how their teams are performing. The next most unlucky team, I think, is Brendox Birdman too, and this is just, I think, from being in a division where their average is 109 and you've got teams like the Cornhuskers who are scoring over 110 points every week, Brendan who's scoring over 110 points every week, the Dolphins who are scoring over 100 points every week, and the the Space Pirates, who threw up 100 points in the first week as well and really disrupted the apple cart. Uh, Brendox, I've got, should have 3.8 expected wins. He has got clearly the next best scoring behind Taylor and he should expect to win more games than he has. 
It's been above average all four weeks. He's got three wins. He could expect to have 3.8. Really, the only bad luck he's had is that he came across Cornhuskers in week one, lost by two-tenths of a point when Cornhuskers pulled out their tight end from a late game. Could have been more than that, but, I mean, it just shows you how close Brendan is to being 4-0 as well. Just on the other end of it, too, probably the team who are one win ahead of their expectation as well. you got Pete, who's only been ahead of average two weeks, and both weeks he's really emphatically beaten it, 128 points and 160 points. And then the two weeks he's missed, he's missed by more than 10 points. He's been 99 and 98. One of those weeks, though, he played a team and only threw up an 80. So he's got three wins. He should only expect to have two. He's got a whole win up his sleeve that he probably shouldn't have and makes him third in the overall. Potentially, it should be somewhere around sixth or seventh. I'm going to throw this graphic up into the group chat. It's probably not something that really translates well to the Facebook or the Instagram, but I'll get up into the group chat. And I'll try and bring it up every second week just so we can have a look at how it's playing out and just so we can get to learn a little bit more about the trends of what's going on in the league. What's up, everybody? This is Vic from the Mile Sam Podcast. And even though I'm all the way in sunny Miami, Florida, doesn't stop me from catching the Astro League Podcast. You watch Captain Morgan, Melvin Gordon, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, just to name a few. These are Taylor's boys. These are not only his husband, but his best man at his wedding, I think. The pickup of Justin Sherbert not only gave me some light at the end of the tunnel, but a soulmate to spend the rest of my life with. We're all here for a good time, not a long time. Well, that's it for me for this show, but what I've got coming up in the late week show with Taylor Heaps of really great stuff in that episode, as you might expect, and, and as I think you would be coming used to expecting as well. We're going to have the week five matchups. Taylor's going to preview us the South versus the East. I'm going to talk about the North versus the West. So Taylor gets the divisions that we're both in, and I get to talk about the divisions we're not in. Then we're also going to go back and just have a quick look how we went with Goober versus Super last week. He's going to predict a new Goober versus Super. And we're going to have the listener mail. We've got two items to bring in front of him, but continue to send in the listener mail. You can do it a bunch of ways, either through the old-fashioned email address at astroleaguepodcast at gmail.com. That's Facebook and Instagram at astroleaguepodcast or through Twitter at astroleaguepod. My name is Matty C. I am the host of the number one rated Australian-made NFL fantasy football show. It's so great. Thank you so much for making us number one. I'm going to be back with Taylor late week. Hooroo. Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C.